Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. I am Brent Young, as always, joined by my pals, my one-two punch, my ying, yang, yang, Chad, Brendel, Aaron Smith. Aaron, how are we? Number three, man. There's, I'm still pinching myself. Shit's wild. How hard crazy. are you? How hard are you pinching yourself? Like, like to the point that it hurts or just like, a. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bruising myself or to where, like, if I go to the doctor, I have to answer weird questions. <laughs> and so, and, and, and you're it's also not tracking. asleep. You're also not asleep where the, uh, where your, your, your pen could melt on you again. So that's good. Good to know you're awake. Keep, keep the pinching up though. It might help in the late night. Chad, how are we? Can't complain. Doing pretty good. Pretty good there day. Go. So hanging in there. I mean, 52 to three, number three in the nation. We needed chaos on Saturday. They waited the entire day to give it to us, but we finally got it there at the very end of Saturday night. I, you know, I tell you what, it's just lining up to somehow be, and, and I don't want to knocking on wood over here because I don't want to just completely jinx us, but it, it's, it is simply lining up to be something special. But 52 to three, Temple comes into town. Yeah, I tell you what, we had a, uh, I guess we could call him a friend, right, Aaron? Came up over to us and was talking during halftime. That was your kinda, friend, man. Kind of felt as if, uh, well, no, I just knew a little bit about Temple football, so. You guys, we're best of friends. I think there was a secret handshake when he walked away. It, it was. It, it, uh, it, it had a little owl hoo-hoo at the end, but I didn't do that part. He did as he walked away. As he was walking away, <laughs> it was a Jerome Ford. 75 yard touchdown run with him, like walking with him up in the press box. But so I, it was a game that never really felt in doubt. Sure. There were times in the first half that were kind of like, gosh, man, they should be up way more than 17 to three. But that third quarter was a thing of beauty. Uh, one of the best quarters I think we've seen in the Luke Fickle and Desmond Ritter era guys. I mean, 52 to three, that's, that's what a top 10 program, what a top five, what a top three team, should probably do at this juncture, right? When you're playing a team like Temple, sure. I mean, you want to do the transitive property real fast? I, I I saw the course he tweeted it, but I also did it in my head. I'm sure you got it ready to go. Temple beat Memphis, right? Memphis mm-hmm. beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M just beat Alabama. I, I, I mean, it's just, you can say, sure, yes, against Temple, but, I mean, Temple still... Not a terrible, terrible team. I think just Cincinnati did everything right, and Temple just could not handle when Cincinnati does everything right. Not even close. It was blatantly clear how much more talented Cincinnati was than Temple. Oh, for sure. Across the board. I mean, it, like it, it, it was jump off the page clear from the second the game started. Like it, it wasn't even close in terms of the talent disparity. I mean, I quarterback was running for, for his life from the first snap. Like it, it, there was, there was, and we should have known this, like we knew this was coming, right? They were right. clearly more talented than Notre Dame. They were clearly more talented than Indiana. Right. So of course they're going to be even farther, more talented than Temple. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, that was kind of my takeaway is if this is what AAC play is going to look like, and that's Temple's obviously not the most talented team in the league. Uh, but if this is what AAC play is going to look like, like you're starting to understand like what Clemson goes through every year, what Ohio state goes through every year. Like you are multiple steps ahead of the rest of the teams that you're going to be playing from a talent perspective. And that's what happens when you recruit better than everyone else and you develop better than everyone else like that this is the end result of of those two things yeah i i kind of look at it as well as this because i mean duan mathis like you said had had no time he, he just set the record for most completions in a single game in temple football history against memphis memphis also did not sack him once they didn't put on the pressure that cincinnati did that that's a bow to the defense that cincinnati has memphis's defense is not very good at all but it's just a bow to, like you said, how much more talented the defense is for the Black Cats. And I think you saw it throughout all phases when that third quarter came around and the offense then automatically clicked and everything just seemed to be going right. Running game, passing game, blocking, and you name it. Because Temple's offensive line, one of the more experienced groups that Cincinnati will face this entire year. They got DeJuan, demolished. They did. They got absolutely manly. <laughs> Dewan Mathis argue, is, is the – I believe it will be the highest rated quarterback coming out of high school that Cincinnati has faced all year. It's, it's different when you've got pressure coming at you, but I mean, you're looking at some teams where yes, Temple is not, you know, they coming into the year, not really great ratings over unders, whatever you, you might be, but it's still a team that knows they're going to come in, knows that Cincinnati is the king that they've got to somehow take down. And still, it just looked like they had absolutely no chance from the get go. Pretty sure I just did the math right. Uh, Temple had 74 yards of total offense in the first half. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it was dismantling. I mean, it, there there was nothing that Cincinnati allowed Temple to do well outside of what the 55 yard field goal that literally went exactly 55 yards. Impressive Justin, kick, Justin Tucker style, hitting the yeah. crossbar and bouncing in, and and did and. Our buddy was sure to tell us that he went to Wilmington and uh, was right in Cincinnati's backyard. So, but different story for a different day. But anyway, yes, it was a, a very strange scenario where the, a, a 55 yard field goal is what it takes to eliminate a shutout. And then, of course, a couple of red zone stops by the second and 13 defense as well keeps them off the board in the second half. Just a deep and complete domination. Are you comfortable at this point saying, though, that this is a second-half team? I mean, they have oh. been so far, but, I, I mean, they were really good in the first half against Notre Dame. They were really good in the first half against Miami. Miami, yeah. yeah. I'm I didn't just, think they were bad in the first half against Temple. They just missed two opportunities where that score could have been substantially worse. Like, no, I don't I – don't necess- I mean – the defense has been great in every first half, have they not? I don't disagree. I I just feel like Des doesn't find his actual like groove until coming out of halftime, and I feel like we've seen that more often than not this year. I don't know that. I mean, I think he has played better in the second half than he has in the first, but I don't think they've played as bad in the first half as people think. I think people get caught up 
and remembering when it was bad. So they remember Murray State, they remember Indiana. Right. And then it's easy to project that across that it's been, you know, then it becomes you're looking for, well, they weren't as good in the first half as they should have. You know what I mean? Because it's still 17 to three, and you're two touchdowns up at halftime. Right. I'm- uh, you're on track to cover basically at that point in time. So uh, I think they played better in the second half, but I don't know to the point that, that, that I would call them a second half team. Just trying to, I mean, we've seen the stuff that people are saying on social media and all of that, just kind of trying to bring that narrative to light and see what your guys' thoughts were on it. Yeah, well, the craziest thing is that in every quarter so far this season, at least one time in the first quarter, at least one time in the fourth quarter, one time in the second quarter, one time in the third quarter, Bearcats have scored more than 14 points while holding the opposition to zero. So if you can have any quarter like that in a game, I – I think you're going to position yourself with a pretty good chance to come out with a victory. I mean, what, 21 nothing at the end of the first against Miami. Murray State, they had a 21 nothing fourth quarter, also a 14 nothing third quarter. IU, 15 nothing in the fourth quarter. Second quarter against Notre Dame was 17 nothing. And then, of course, that third quarter, 28 nothing for the Bearcats. It's almost as if they. That's, that's on excellent. They <laughs> that's excellent research, Brent. Well done. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Well, I mean, but that, I mean, that's really the thing. Just, like, yeah. they're going to turn it on at some point in time. It's just a matter of of when it when it clicks, when they hit, when they're able to hit the gas and really get things moving. I mean, and, and it's like what I talked about in uh, the bites this week. Like, the, the, what makes great teams great is they take your mistakes and they turn them into their success. Exactly. Yes. And that's what this team is is beginning to do now. They haven't you know, because of some special teams issues, um, they've created some of their own mistakes that they could erase. Right. Uh, right. But they're taking everybody else's mistakes and turning it into success. They did it in Indiana. They did it with Notre Dame. They did it again with Temple. Um, Miami didn't try to do anything, so they didn't really make any <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> kind of showed up. We're content going three and out, punting the ball and giving Cincinnati seven. So like the paycheck. <laughs> um, but I think that's like, that's, you know, I, I liken it like the Patriots. That's what they do. Alabama. That's what they do. You know, the, any of the, the baseball teams that, that have gone on to create sustained success, the Dodgers, I guess, are the new current trend. Like, if you make two errors in an inning, they're going to score six runs. And, and that's that's critical, especially in football, with, you know, not as many possessions or opportunities as you get in the other sports. If you're going to run it up on people, if you're going to get the proverbial style points, you have to take their mistakes and turn it into your success. And uh, this is a veteran team that is doing that at a really high level. Like those, you know, those two temple fumbled muff punts. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati scored on two in two plays on both of those. Now the one was you know, what 13 yard line when yeah. Javon Hicks recovered it, but two plays like bang. And again, bang and you're dead. And right. that's what great teams do. Yeah. Well, especially cause you mentioned it most of the time when you're watching a game, if you listen to the broadcasters, sometimes they know what they're talking try about. Try not Ch- to. Chad, I you and I, to. you and I, former broadcasters, let's give them a little pub. But uh, that is when you're supposed to strike, you know, after a turnover or, you know, after you pick up a good amount of yardage on 
on first down or something and set yourself up with, with, with second in an opportune position, go for a strike. But I mean, Cincinnati strikes. I, one was that, that catch and run by Tyler Scott. Uh, Tyler Scott that just simply just shows that, yes, they can score in a quick ways, but it's really the talent that they are that they have have at their disposal, which is the reason why they're being able to score in such a quick way. But I've got a question for you guys. Hopefully it'll be an exciting one for you, Chad. <laughs> is this the beginning of the end in a good way for Jerome Ford? The reason why I say that is because he started Maybe. out really strong to start the season touchdown-wise and, and you know yards per game-wise, and I mean yards per attempt-wise. But I don't really see too many defenses in the AAC that's going to be able to contain him really at all. I, I mean, you see 15 rushes for 149 yards and two touchdowns. And you know, a bulk of that came off that 75-yard scamper in the second beginning of the Is second 10 half. yards per rush good? Is the first down every time he touched the ball good? Aaron, can you can you verify? I can actually verify. That's that's pretty good. Yes. Okay, confirmed. Okay. Yes. Just checking. Confirmed. Just checking. Not half bad. Is this the beginning of the end in a good way for Jerome Ford in a Bearcat uniform? Possibly. I mean, I, we've all known he's, he's talented enough that if you put together a good season, he's going to have an opportunity. And, and, you know, the thing with the running backs is they just – they don't have a lot of shelf life. They don't have a lot of time. So, you know, do you come back for another year of college if you can be a mid-round, fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick? I mean – um, Probably maybe. not, maybe, but probably not. Like in general, the the rule of thumb on running backs is go get your money when the iron is hot. Uh, I I think the the thing that made that like a, even more of a reality twenty two point one miles an hour, what like twenty two point seven yeah. miles an hour, or whatever it yep, was, heard. like top end speed right there. That's something that NFL scouts when they saw that on the internet mm-hmm. Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning, got out the notebook and went, Oh, <laughs> knew he had some wheels, but didn't know he had 22 plus miles an hour in him. Top speed, top game speed. So, and he doesn't like, it's interesting because yes, he's obviously clearly very fast. He's not a guy that looks like he's running fast. He's got a very smooth stride. Chuck Until looks like he's running fast. Yeah. Until there's no one else around him. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's what I mean. Like, you don't realize it until there's nobody else around him. And then you're like, this guy's moving. 22.75 miles yeah, 20, per hour. 22.1 is like, I, I saw a bunch of NFL numbers on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, low 22s, 22 one, 22 right. 22 is flying. It is. And uh, that was that was impressive from old Jerome. And that's that's how you can have those long runs. That's how you you know, that's how you get the reputation as a home run hitter. And I think with Jerome, it helps him that he's getting to show he can run between the tackles. But if you give him a seam, he's going to run away from your defensive backs because they're not as fast as him. I think it's worth I think it's worth noting here as well that. uh, about an hour ago now, so sometime around 7 o'clock on Monday evening, um, Quality Control Sports tweeted out that they were excited to welcome Jerome Ford to the QC Sports family for NIL representation. So that, you know, kind of a maybe indication of where this may go should things go the way that we 
think they're going to go for him the rest of the year. He's going to get a lot of time on national TV. Like he's going to get a lot of time to, to showcase what he can do. It, it'll be interesting. They're just not running the ball a lot right now. And 15 carries for Jerome Ford. I think you'd like to see him 20, 22, somewhere in there. I don't think you really wanted any more than that, but, and obviously in a game like Temple that got out of hand as quickly as it did. Yeah. Uh, but, but he didn't get used a lot. I think he had what seven or eight carries in the first half. Right. Well, well yeah, which so, is another thing they mentioned was, you know, against Notre Dame, I, he started getting going in the second half kind of during crunch time when they just needed to, to, you know, burn some clock. But, you know, Luke after the game said, yeah, we need to get, you know, drone going more. We need to get the, get the rushing attack going more. And I think they, they did quite just that against Temple, who is obviously not as strong as the Notre Dame defense at containing the run. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has the the look of a potential NFL back. He's he's got that speed that you know Mike Warren never really had. He he kind of has he doesn't have quite the build that Jared Dokes has, but still he's got just that elusiveness. Because even that run against Temple, it wasn't like it was a wide open hole, and then he had to make one man miss. He had to make oh, so a move inside and, inside right. zone left that he that he cut back to the right. Yeah, and he had to make kind of a man miss in the backfield or at least just avoid a man in the backfield and then cut it up off to the right side. And, and like you said, Chad, and, and like we heard in the press conference afterwards, he said when he just sees all that green in front of him, that's when he knows he's got, he's got everything else to go. But another player that he talked about and Chad, I want you to talk about the quote that he had, because it's going to go down as one of the best quotes from this season. from this team. <laughs> well, first off, before we move on, I, I do want to mention that, like you said, national exposure, Kirk Herbstreit, his breakout player of the year had coming into the season was Jerome Ford. So 10 rushes slowly, in the first, yeah, 10, 10 rushes in the first half for 50 yards. Okay. I have in the second half for uh, what? 99. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, so, so yes, Jerome's on the, on the radar and now it's going to be even more, especially after the amount of touchdowns that he has up to this point and many yards. Oh, and especially, recently. especially after you keep playing games with, 20, 25, 30 NFL scouts in the house. Yeah. That helps too. They'll say, you know what, that Ford guy, that Ford guy, but Chad, we had a, a quote drop out of someone that I probably wouldn't expect to drop a quote drop, a potential quote of the year. And it was the about, quiet ones are sometimes the most funny. Jerome's right, quiet, exactly. but he's like, he's, he's got some funny in him. There was a player that kind of stepped out of the, uh, I want to say like he was in the shadows or anything, but just more really stepped onto the scene. Like we kind of remember him. And a great quote was said about him. And Chad, I know you've been covering the team ever since then. And uh, I know you were a pretty happy camper when you were able to see number two in the speed chart behind Jerome Ford and what he was able to do on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, look, Chuck, Charles McClellan, Chuck has worked insanely hard to come back from not only tearing one ACL, in 2019, but tearing the other ACL in 2020, he's a guy that that they had very high hopes for early in his career. He was kind of the yen to Michael Warren's yang mm-hmm. in 2018, where he gave him that that speed option, that guy that could could hit a home run, as you saw in the military bowl. That was the military bowl, right? Yeah, it was Boston College. Yeah. No, well, no, that was he. Virginia Tech, right? Virginia Tech, yeah. Boston yeah. College was 19. My bad. Um, 
<clears throat> so he he gave them <clears throat> that speed that that change of pace guy um it's not a change of pace now because as we found out Jerome Ford is really fast uh <laughs> but it gives you another home run hitter that you can put in your backfield and it's been really cool to see as with each passing week you know he continues to feel more and more comfortable and be more and more ready to contribute. So seeing him break through the line of scrimmage and just zip to the end zone like he did, uh, really cool for Chuck because he's put in a lot of hours to get back on the football field uh, and to see it get rewarded. You know, that's you you pull for that in kids that you, you see go through something like he had to go through. And then, of course, we can't touch on the running back room without mentioning if Evan Prater would have played high school football and that – Agree with me on this chat if you would. Would have played high school football in any of the other 49 states his senior season, then Ethan Wright would have won Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. Yeah, he won Gatorade player of the year. Right. Right. So yeah. I mean, he was clearly number two. But you forgot the quote, the quote from Jerome Ford that Yeah, you Chuck, didn't even mention Chuck, it. Chuck, look, well, I was waiting for you to to set it up on a team. Okay. So so here's the setup. So if, if Ethan Wright is that, now. Is that guy that's, that's, that's completely far away, we got to talk about what this looked like of Chuck McClellan bursting through the hole after being injured and hobbled for so long. Chad, what did, what did Jerome Ford spill on us? That was such a beautiful, beautiful quote. They said he looked like Forrest Gump breaking out of the knee braces. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, just in a deadpan delivery, he said it so matter-of-factly that it even took a second to get a laugh in the media room because we were like, did he just say what I because <laughs> well, he's not that he guy. Said... He's not that guy who like flashes a smile when he makes a joke or anything. Like he just continued on as if right. it was a normal piece of conversation. Right. Aaron, did you even hear it? Because no, you were I was in the back. I was too busy getting distracted by ESPN moving all their shit out of the room in the middle of everyone else's press conferences. I was so mad. And I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't hear it, and I was like three rows near him. And then I saw the uh, the tweet about it, and I just started dying laughing. It was it was phenomenal. I, I've never seen anything in a presser so disrespectful as ESPN, just kind of like, well, coach is done. We're going to break down everything, regardless of how noisy we are, and we're just going to continue to go in and out of the doors right next to where the kids are talking. Like It was just completely disrespectful. Way and to go, worldwide leader. They made the loudest noise when a potential Heisman Trophy candidate was uh, was on the podium as well. So, I don't know. Whatever. Three I would have died if Daz would have been like, you guys want me to stop? <laughs> I would have stopped and been like, are you guys serious right now? Five minutes, man. We can we can wait until you're done if, if, it's, if it's important. Well, they also, there was a back door that they could have gone out of. Like at the back of the room. And all gone out it, that way. All of it was so obnoxious. You get annoyed really easy, Aaron. I do. And I'm good with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that happened. It definitely did. And uh, but still, so did the Ethan Wright run, which begs the question to me. Uh, do you guys think this is the beginning of where you see a little bit more attempts throughout a game for Chuck and for Ethan Wright? Or is this still gonna be Jerome Ford gets the bulk of the carries through quarters like one, two, and halfway through three, and then you see Chuck and 
Ethan kind of as, you know, as the situations present itself. I think you go with Jerome until like we're already talking about, he's not getting enough carries right now, right? Where we want him to have, you know, somewhere around that 18 to 22 mark. And even in a game that got completely out of hand, he's still not getting those carries. So no, I think that this might be closer to what you see in these blowouts. Uh, But I think you at least know with whether it's Ethan Wright or whether it's Chuck that you, there are no worries if you need to get Ford off the field for a blow, like, let him come off the field and, and some of the other kids in no big deal. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a little bit more just because the defenses aren't going to be nearly as high quality and, and you need to start getting those guys uh, a little bit more in terms of reps, in terms of getting ready for, for blitz pickup and things of that nature. Uh, the finer points of, of playing running back. Uh, yeah, it's similar to what people talk about with, with getting Prater in. Well, because you know. right now when he's coming in, he's just handing the ball off. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe a series in the late first, early second quarter, you designate for the backups. Or not the backups, but, you know, the yes, they are the backups technically. But you designate for the guys behind Jerome. A little more like what you see in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, where there's just kind of a scheduled, we're going to, we're going to take a few bumps and bruises off of this guy in the first half. Um, and then you, you play it out the second half. I, I, I just have a hard time seeing many of these American games being close because the offenses aren't that good and the defenses are really bad. And it, it just, I, I think you're going to see a lot more of what we saw Friday night going forward. I think you are too, especially with uh, the the tough games being at home uh, is also a big piece of that. But uh, you know, speaking of like like a luxury with the backups and the plethora of of talent surrounding Desmond Ritter and, and, and the entire office and team, really, Aaron, I want to talk about your uh, preseason pick for uh, catches of the season. I don't think he's going to win that category. He's got, a, he's got eleven right now, which is far off from Alec Pierce's twenty one. Right. But still, I mean, it, it seemed as if the game plan heading into this game was trying to get the ball to Trey Tucker in a variety of different ways. And I think the entire fan base has been begging for this at certain different junctures. And even though he only had three receptions on four targets, it did seem like they were putting it in in multiple different situations to at least get the ball, get out in space and see what he can do with it. Trey Tucker was another guy that showed up on the over 20 miles an hour report. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's fast, he's shifty. I mean, he squirts free pretty much anytime people think they have him wrapped up all of a sudden he's four or five more yards down the field, finishing the play. So it's not a surprise that you want to get the ball into this guy's hands a little bit more often. Uh, that said right now, Alec Pierce is a man amongst boys. And how do you not throw Alec the ball when he's, catching everything i mean you saw michael young have some i don't know if they were necessarily like drop passes or or whether they were bad passes um but he had issue getting the one he should have the one on third down or second down in the red zone like that yes it was a little behind him but it was right to him i mean it was he had a chance to stop in his tracks get his hands up he was wide open. And watch the ball in, and he dropped it. Like, he'll tell you he dropped that one. It happens, but he dropped that for sure. 
My, my point is, you know, I mean, Des is going to go to the guys that he has the most confidence in catching the ball. And like I said, with Pierce right now, it's hard not to continue to throw him the ball because he's just, I guess, kind of in that Michael Jordan zone where the hoop is as big as the court, you know. So keep getting him the ball. But I agree with the conversation on the board about Trey. You can just tell, like, his confidence is growing. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's feeling comfortable doing a lot of things, right? Like, they only used him in, you know, the jet sweeps and a couple different situations last year. Mm-hmm. This year, you can tell, like, he's really starting to come into his own as a, as a like, slot receiver and be more than just the quote-unquote speed guy. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, that's – that's when you can get really dangerous when you, you got him over there with Tyler Scott, you know, and you're dealing with two guys on that field side that, that can go over the top and beat you deep, but can also run really good routes and make tra- catches in traffic. Then all of a sudden your offense starts shifting into overdrive. That it's, it's, I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. Cause I want to talk about a player that you already mentioned, Aaron, because I, yes, Trey Tucker getting, as much opportunity as he should is completely warranted because every time he touches it, there's a chance for it to go to the end zone. Yeah. But speaking about a wide receiver who has touched it quite a lot the last three weeks, that is Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is developing into a first team all conference player. He is developing into what if, if he, if the stats continue to follow, he's going to be right there. And the talks for an all American at the end of the season. And that raises a question I have for you guys. So it's th- he's at three straight games of eighty-five uh, of at least eighty-five yards receiving, and in this three-game s- stretch, he has had two touchdown receptions. When was the last time the Bearcats had a wide receiver with a similar three straight games? I'm sure Chris Moore did it at some point. I'd have Chris, to Chris Moore pull did up not. his game. Okay, well, I I thought he was never too. Mind. I thought it, I thought it was going to be him too. It wasn't Cloud. Trent Cloud was close. He did not come up with it. No. <laughs> you had to get to one before you can get to three. <laughs> Precisely. Shaq Washington was close. He had three straight games of over 100 yards receiving, but he only had one touchdown in the stretch. That was in 2015. Anthony McClung was close. He actually had. Five straight games with at least over 100, with at least 97 yards or more, but he did not score the touchdowns in that stance. So the answer to the question okay, let's, is let's move it along. Come on. It's answer to the question. Hey, easy. Just because you didn't know the you, answer. Answer no, to the question just, is you're, you're telling a slow story. Answer to the question is Armand Benz. Okay. Armand Benz. Armand Benz. Senior year. That's final answer. Final His answer. Year. Armand Benz. Yes. Senior year. Three-game stretch, 115 yards, 175 yards, 158, and he has seven touchdowns in that stretch. So uh, kind of that times a 1,000. But still, this is a, a wide receiver in Alec Pierce that is developing into one of the better ones that the Bearcats have had in quite a while. So just another facet to the team that is high, high level. Yeah, and now you're going to start seeing defenses have to react to that. And then – you're going to see Tyler Scott going around, or you're going to see Josh Wiley going around. You know, you're going to see Michael Young going around because now teams are going to have to say, "We got to send more attention to Alec Pierce because he's killing us." And it's what we've talked about from week one: pick your poison. Like, good luck figuring out 
a way to stop this Cincinnati offense right now. Good luck. Number eight scoring offense in the country, right, Brent? I think it's not. Eight or nine, yeah. One of those two. Top ten in scoring top offense. 10, yes. Top ten yes. in scoring de- – top five in scoring defense. So It's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good combo when you've got both. Not half bad. Not half bad. Speaking of the defense, though, I it seemed like the, the game where finally the – the defense was able to get home to the quarterback after countless weeks of just being so close to getting to him. Um, it might be just they were able to figure it out against a, an opponent like Temple, or they were able to finally just make the right move. First career sack for Will Huber, Jordan Blanco, one-year defensive player of the game, Chad. What did you guys just kind of see from the defense as a whole to be able to get to the quarterback a lot more in this game? I mean – it was fantastic to see them flying around all game, just the same as they've done all year long. But to actually have that penetration in the backfield and actually get to the quarterback, I mean, there was it was a sack party for real. <laughs> like it was. at the end of the day, I mean, it, that's there's no other real word for it. Um, and Deshaun Pace continues to do Deshaun Pace things, and I think it's time to start talking about that kid as just a dog, like. I mean, all the way. I mean, we knew like he had shown this the last couple games, but now like it's continuing. It's not just a flash in the pan type thing. So you love to see that. You love to see my Jay back there finally getting him one, uh, getting getting a sack on the quarterback. Uh, Beavers with the forced fumble. I mean, just dudes flying all over everywhere. Well, Chad, do you want to tell Aaron? Sadly, I don't that- think the my Jay sack was a sack. It was, I think it was. Technically a tackle for loss, right? Technically a tackle for loss, yeah. It should have been a sack, but whatever. Right. Um, I mean, the the big thing for me was they finally faced a team that was like and, – and we saw this in 2019. A lot of Temple's offenses just throw it deep and try to get a PI or try to make something happen, which requires your quarterback to be back there standing for a long time Against every opponent so far, we saw them get the ball out quick. Uh, you know, and, and Michael Penix had led to his demise because he was trying to get the ball out quick while people were in his face. And, and same for Notre Dame. The two interceptions were, you know, when the quarterback was getting annihilated. Uh, but this time, he held it a little more, longer than he should have probably a couple times. And when you do that against this defense – you're going to get killed. And I, I think you're going to, we're going to go back to seeing guys trying to get it out quick because standing back there and holding it, ain't it. That ain't it. No, not one bit. And, and Aaron, you mentioned the Deshaun pace sack. Did you see who was in on that play with pace on that sack? Yeah. I don't it recall was, off the top of my head. It was pace, Jaheim Thomas, uh, Jones, David Jones Jr., and also uh, Jawan Briggs. You have yourself. Yeah, it's next year's C- defense. A, a Cincinnati party in the backfield as well. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to see. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's just it, – it's also a token to the coverage. You, you can say that as well. And, and also Joel DeBlanco in the postgame press conference talked about how, you know, Dewan Mathis was kind of getting out of the pocket a little bit in the first half. They made small, tiny adjustments, and they were able to – get into the backfield and come up with some big sacks there in the second half as well. So 
I don't know this, this defense, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about just talent discrepancies between Cincinnati and the, the blue blood teams, you know, just if all Cincinnati would be a 20, 28 point underdog against, you know, Alabama or Georgia on a, on a neutral field. Right. Like just seeing things like that is just beyond me because you, you can't keep looking at just high school rankings, which a lot of the starting Bearcats have strong rankings. And then all of a sudden say, Hey, this is, this is the only barometer. And then of course you look at Cincinnati strength and schedule the rest of the way. So they're just going to back backwalk their way into the college football playoff. I I'm sick of hearing that narrative and it's something that needs to stop immediately because the talent should be what's on the field now, not what it used to be back in high school. You mean you shouldn't keep using the 42, nothing recycled stats from the Ohio state game from 2019 or I saw that too. Yes. Especially when you don't use the Georgia game. Well, because Chad, they had nothing to play for. They didn't care. They didn't care. As I said today, tell me you didn't watch the Georgia game without telling me you didn't watch the Georgia game. Because if you watch that Georgia game, that Georgia team cared. Well, like Bobby Carpenter They wanted said, to win that game bad. Like Bobby Carpenter said somewhere else in that tweet thread, uh, if you're not on the field caring about a game that you're lining up for and playing, you shouldn't be playing football anymore. Right, because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get killed. <laughs> like, it's such a bullshit. And we, you knew it was coming. Yeah. It, it, you knew it was coming, but it's so trite and lazy and just ignorant. Yeah. And, well, and also, I, I also hate the narratives of like, you know, I saw earlier in the season when Fresno State beat UCLA and then they had like a Friday night win on college game day that next morning. Bear or whatever his name is, I, he was <laughs> he was saying he was like, I, you know, I think Fresno State is the best non-power five team in the country he says i think fresno state would beat cincinnati right now i i mean you can't just blindly say things like that and then when there's no way of being able to actually come up with the answer to those questions i why would have been would have been terrific there why tell me about what fresno state does better than cincinnati exactly well well, he talked about their quarterback that who everyone is saying is like Desmond Ritter last year, and then he's going to burst onto the scene next year. I, I mean, it's just the whole thing is just, and, and also I know you guys saw it. It, it just came out and it was from actually Pete Thamel, which is a uh, very sad, you know, a, a BCJ pod member who, who, who came on with you guys following his, his inside look with the Bearcats saying just opening the door for the thought of a two loss Alabama team having the chance to make it into the college football playoff. It's just, I mean, he's speaking reality that like, you have to talk about it. I know, but still, I, it's something that just, if you put it out there, I'm not going to get mad at somebody for doing their job because you have to put it out there. Oh no, I agree. But it's more just, okay. Put it out there. It's the ridiculousness of the college football playoff and the fact that they don't want anyone who's not supposed to be at the party showing up. Yeah. I don't know. It's just all narratives that I think are bad. <laughs> They're just not, you, you haven't studied the narratives. You haven't looked things up other than like just blindly throwing things at the wall. Like I, did you guys watch the, uh, the, the pregame video that Sharky and, and crew put together before 
Temple. I didn't. Athlete. I didn't see it this week. Now it, yeah. it's it is fantastic. Go back and watch it. Um, it was just laying out everything that everyone was saying leading into the Notre Dame game. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lou Holtz saying, you know, this is this is all the Irish. You, you, you guys could do your Lou Holtz impression. I struggled with it. Said so this is this is all the Irish. There's no chance that talent discrepancy is going to go the Bearcats' way. Notre Dame this is, is all Irish. This is all go. Irish. Notre Dame so much more talented than Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't have a chance in this game. That was pretty good, Aaron. That was pretty good. That wasn't Aaron. That was Chad. Get out of here. Yeah. I, I, I went to the board to see if, if they knew who it was. But, yeah, I, like it was just all the, the media talking heads just saying that. You know, kind of like back in, in 2018 when, when they were saying it about UCLA at the Rose Bowl. I, it's just you've got to get past that. You've got to start to look and see what you're seeing on the field and all the different talents that are put together. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sick of the side, side talks that people can have because it's just something that you, you dream, of, dream of these hypotheticals that really you have no way of showing if it could happen this way or that way other than letting – the Bearcats in and seeing what happens. It's the same thing that all the Ohio State fans are all up in arms about this week. Like, well, regardless of the loss to Oregon, it doesn't matter. You're not a better team. We're playing on all cylinders now. And it's as if because they lost to Oregon three weeks ago, like that loss doesn't matter. Like, get out of here. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. Like, you haven't shown me anything right now that makes me believe that you're an invincible team. Clear Case in point, you lost a home game to Oregon. <laughs> who went and lost to Stanford? Like you're, I don't know. I I understand you ran they, Maryland out of the gym. Good, congratulations, great fucking job. Right. Yay! And after you just did it to Rutgers too, that that stalwart <laughs> of a team. I know. I agree. I mean, but here's the thing. You look at like a team like Iowa as well. Yes, they just had a huge win at home against Penn State. Who was playing without their quarterback? Right. And then the rest of the season, I mean, Iowa very well, if if Iowa State doesn't you know get it together and start winning some games down the stretch, people are saying that Cincinnati might finish the season with only one win against a ranked team in the top 25 at the end of the year. Iowa might finish the season with one win against a ranked team by the end of the year as well. It's just, I don't know. The whole thing is just you, you can't pull Cincinnati out because of their conference the rest of the way and but and we need to schedule harder Brent. Thing. we need to yeah. schedule harder let's just become an independent for for next year and, and, and schedule the whole entire schedule over again that makes well, just no damn when you was make top it- five in the nation and punts what's that tell you about their offense their defense is spectacular don't get me yeah. wrong their offense is second in their like the third or fourth or whatever in the nation and punts number of punts but so, they love yeah, that they love that punter though. Ooh, they love him. They're turning people over a ton, and then they're going three and out. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And don't I, even get me started on Oklahoma. I mean, golly. Although that Caleb Williams, he he looks pretty good, but still, it's man, forty-eight points. I, I mean, come on. Oh, they already doing? had a narrative for that too, though. It's the fact that you played a, a rival school and those rivalries get out of control and your defenses aren't going to be able to stop a rival like that. What does that even mean? They beat Tulane by five. 
on a neutral site at home. Oh, at home. Yeah, it wasn't even a neutral site. It was supposed they, to be at Tulane. They did. They did draw the green wave on their field. So, I guess you can technically call it a neutral <laughs> site. Technically, but yeah, I. I mean, I don't know. This is going to be a long talk for a long while. I actually want to have, uh, um, what's his name, Tim Brando, right? The the, the guy that's all about since he. Just somehow have him just he's been on a pedestal for us since day yeah. one, which is which is great to see. Uh just I don't know. We're gonna have these conversations all the way up until the first reveal, which is what the first week of November. That'll be when some some telltale signs, because barring I don't know, some sort of crazy thing, it's gonna be Cincinnati right there in the, in the top four in the AP. And we'll just see how all Iowa's gonna somebody out. I somebody's gonna get Iowa. Who who do you, I think I have my pick of who who I think it's going to be, Chad? I think that your picture that you posted was not real <laughs> because we need to tow that boat, not row that boat. But that's why it makes sense because yeah, with Iowa, that one it's game? always yeah. somebody that's like completely like I think people are thinking too hard about this. I went with who's the team that's least likely to beat Iowa, Minnesota. So I'll go Minnesota because it, it always. It, one with Iowa, and I don't want to talk about Iowa too much here. <laughs> what they're doing isn't sustainable. They're living off of interceptions. Yeah. Which, while crazy effective as it happens, what happens when you play a game where the quarterback doesn't throw it to you? Right. You're in a dog fight. Nine picks in a game. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, again, that's, that's all the credit to Iowa for the defense that they've played. But point being, no matter how good you are, you're not getting four interceptions, five interceptions a game. That's just that that's not how this works. What happens if you only get two and your offense stinks and you can't produce any points and you lose 17 to 13? Right. Because right. their offense stinks. It does. I agree. And, and I've got, if they go unscathed, I've got Nebraska beating them at home. Because Nebraska has been so close to beating these undefeated Big Ten teams. I think they finally pull one together for old Scotty Frost. But, uh, but I, you know, another thing to talk about, because obviously I want to touch on Alabama for a tiny bit, but another thing to talk about is Notre Dame squeaks out a huge road win at Virginia Tech. I, now you look at Notre Dame's schedule, there's maybe one or two games that will be somewhat of a toss-up, but more than likely they'll be favored for every game from here on out. So, I mean, you're looking at a one-loss Notre Dame team that all of a sudden, sure, people are going to still say that for some reason it's a down season for them, but I don't know. If they they can keep winning, that's huge for the Bearcats. And I don't know if you guys saw, but Jack Cohn started again. That's also something that's kind of kind of crazy in my eyes. But <laughs> it keeps going. If if Notre Dame wins, then, then it's big time. But it seems like it's Bearcats helping Bearcats. Jimbo Fisher goes out, beats Alabama. Brian Kelly keeps winning for his old team. I, it seems like it's going to be uh, going to be something to uh, to take in. What did you guys think when you saw, or if you did see that that final field goal go go in for Texas A and M to take down Alabama? I mean, we talk about it all the time that chaos needs to happen for this to work out the way that we want it to, to where they literally can't make any more excuses. So as long as chaos continues to happen, that it isn't happening to Cincinnati, I'm all for it. Keep it coming. I didn't see it. I was, I was out by the fire with Kelly. That was, uh, 
the more important uh, activity for my Saturday night. So yeah. I did not, I did not see all the chaos. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I need to not watch if I don't pay attention or watch the more chaos will happen. Oh, so you're like the the anti Dave Simone going to the Bearcat watch parties, huh? You right. just gotta just just watch the Bearcats, but nothing outside. Well, so <laughs> just be a good husband and hang out with my wife, and if I do that, then chaos will happen. Maybe that that <laughs> might actually be a thing. That might actually be a thing. But no, it, it's just it is. It was almost the perfect day, honestly. If Oklahoma would have lost, and then Iowa would have lost, but still, I mean, seeing Bama goes down just shows that this entire college football landscape is no one's perfect in it. I mean, even seeing Georgia dominate teams, I mean, they're not that different from the Georgia team that Cincinnati played in the Peach Bowl last year. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see as the season wears on this Bearcat team, obviously facing UCF this, this upcoming Saturday, Chad, I'm sure you and, and Dave will dive into this a whole lot more. It's not the same UCF team as as people thought coming into the season. They've got boatloads of injuries, including to Dylan Gabriel, who everyone pegged as mostly everyone pegged as being the better quarterback than Desmond Ritter heading into the season. So we don't get to see that showdown. But uh, yeah, I mean, just got to keep winning. Twelve noon UCF. I don't know. It, it seems as if game day would have been here if it would have been the UCF that we thought of at the beginning of the year. But now we just got to hope SMU rises rise the wave and comes in here at the end of November, and, and we've got ourselves a little, little matchup then. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you hate to see it for UCF that, that when teams get hit like this yeah, with injuries bad. because it can always, like, we've all been there, right? It can always be you. Mm-hmm. Like, UC's gone through it. Everybody's gone through it where if there's a year it just doesn't feel like you can escape it. Uh, and it's the, one of the mailbag questions asked about it is it, training or is it it's football sometimes you're the team that get gets hit the hardest yep and you know right now uc's get or ucf is getting getting decimated by injuries to not only like not only injuries but injuries to most of their like top level guys injuries to guys that really meant a lot to their success on both sides of the ball so that that's hard. That that's it's difficult. Um, I genuine generally don't uh, like UCF or pull for their success, but uh, you have to feel bad when it, this is why, right? When it's when right. it comes down to had a pretty good team lined up and things just did not uh, click the way that you thought they would because so many guys have gotten hurt like that part just sucks hate to see it no and then this one you actually do hate to see <laughs> Ooh-hoo. see what you did there and i think the feelings mutual i think they hate us as well so it's a uh, it's one of those good hate hate things um, yeah it's healthy although healthy they did hate. they did pull for us at the very end of the college football playoff last season but i think they did that because they knew we weren't getting in so it's kind of just like uh let's let's cheer you on when we know that in the end you're going to be sad so it was um, also very backhanded too like you guys are getting this chance because we paved the way for you yeah golly i wouldn't be surprised if we saw that same support again at the end of this season though future maybe 12 mates maybe why not i wouldn't count on it i wouldn't hold your breath (laughs) aaron can hold his breath pretty long so we'll see we'll see 
But no, yeah, I mean, what? Starting quarterback, starting running back, one of the best wide receivers and top two defensive tackles. Any team goes through that kind of injury bug and it is not. I think if you go back to the preseason, their top three running backs are, are on the shelf. Right. It's just not good. Not good at all. But before we move on from football, one last thing. How cool is it to see this, you know, what is it? The new wallpaper movement that everyone's doing? New profile pick? That all yeah, the new profile pictures. I think it's probably going to end up being my busiest day on Twitter ever. <laughs> because I've just been retweeting them all. Right. And every time I go back to my notifications, I've got 20 plus new notifications from people liking my retweets. <laughs> well, it all started because of Travis Kelsey, though, which yeah. kind of cool that he just because people were upset that he was on Monday Night Football last night or, or Sunday Night Football. I'm sorry. It's Monday today um, and says his high school instead of Cincinnati as the school, which he's done his entire career. Nothing new. I don't know why people are just catching on to it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, people got upset about it. And then I think this was his uh, just rebuttal to the people getting upset that he wasn't saying Cincinnati. Fine. You want me to say something Cincinnati? Here to my 660,000 followers. You're welcome. Is it only that much? Something like that. Well, I, I mean, it is awesome because you just take a look at all the pictures that, that former players have put up and it does bring back memories and of, you know, the good times and the bad and, and, you know, the ups and the downs. And you still see, wow. I, you know, I remember when he was making this play or I remember when this game or that game, it's, it's cool to see. And it's cool to have just you. I, def- I definitely have a favorite that I retweeted recently. Okay. It was Zach Caleros who tweeted out a picture of Craig Carey uh, in like a three point stance. <laughs> And it was fantastic. Fantastic. Craig has become a friend over the years, but Craig is Craig is what one of those guys who purposely, like during especially during basketball season, he drives me crazy during games. <laughs> Just texts me constantly during games, especially if they're not playing well. And I'll so be at the, the game. He's the text version of me. Yeah. And I'll be at the game working. I'm like, Craig, I'm working right now. Can you please leave me the fuck alone? And he's like, nope. (laughs) Wow. So to see Caleros take a nice, nice clean swipe at Craig Carey warms my heart. And, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that, is that prior to his movement to defense? It looks like it was a Craig Carey quarterback days in a three point stance. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to get a, a an exact date on that. Why would he be in a three-point stance if he was still playing quarterback? Yeah, well, because it says Big East, and it's still those those Nike uniforms. Because I, I, Calero says an Adidas one. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's uh, Craig Carey being Craig Carey, which, uh, yes, Chad. If you, if you know Craig, Craig's hilarious. I love Craig. He's become a friend. But to see somebody take a nice, clean shot at him like that is uh, – High on my list. Very good. good job, Zach Caleros. If you're listening to this podcast, well done, Chad. You wanna you wanna pump what's going on this Saturday, and before we move on to a little basketball talk, and then the mailbag. Yeah, we'll be at Holy Grail, or we'll be at Mio's. Sorry, Mio's, 10 a.m. Uh, haven't figured out the guests yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, maybe it'll be Aaron. Maybe, it'll, be, maybe me. it'll be Brent. I'll be there. I'll be there. We'll uh, we'll figure it out one way or the other. 
could be could a be special a, guest. All three of us. What are we not special I enough? I don't know. Like you know, Hayden Moore's coming to town. Maybe it'll be Hayden Moore. Maybe it'll be be my guy Rashad Medeiros who said he's coming to town. You never know who it could potentially be. But uh, we'll be there at ten. Get things rolling and uh, go for about. 45 minutes or so, and then uh, head over to Nippert and get ready for some football. I think it's supposed to, they're talking rain in the morning right now, but I yeah. think we're talking like high in the sixties. Like we're talking football weather is, is coming. Finally. <laughs> and if it rains, then so be it. But still, yeah, that's going to be an exciting game. Hopefully a great atmosphere. Make college game day. Feel the, uh, feel the miss of, of not coming here instead going to a game with a 28 point spread, but still it is fine. Everything. God, I hope Georgia beats the piss out of Kentucky. I, I think it's looking to be that way. I think, I think if people are going to pull upsets, it's going to be on the, when, when they're the home team. Other than that, I mean, there's no chance. What about the fact that we have the national championship trophy coming to the game this weekend, but we can't get game day. Happened before though. They've had the trophy at at UC, like it was there last year for a game too. Who is going to be guarding that? Do they bring? I, I have no idea. Because I'm going to say I I think we could plan a scheme. I am having nothing to do with this conversation. You're, yeah, to count <laughs> me out. I'm. I was going to say plan a scheme to take a picture with it. Jeez, you're on your what own. You, what's on your guys's mind? Oh I had heard, I'd heard enough. Knowing you is on my mind. <laughs> but still, yeah, 12 noon, ABC, the game right after college game day, which is still a good spot to be in, but a terrible spot when it comes to recruiting and a uh, rough spot as well when it comes to certain other things. But still, come to Mio's, 10 a.m., kick it off right, get a little, little pizza, a little beer, a little, little fun. Aside from that, anything more football before we move on to a little basketball, guys? No. No. I'm pretty good. All right. Well, well, one last question. Desmond Ritter, how much does it hurt his potential Heisman candidacy, the fact that we are going to have so many games like this where it's lopsided after the first three quarters? I, I mean, it's – You're going to have to put up the numbers in three quarters. And I sure hope that someone highlights that as well. Sure, hope they do. But let's move That's on to generally basketball. not how the Heisman works. I know, right? But he's a winner. That's all that matters. But so basketball, Chad. It looked like uh, the team was in uh, Indianapolis this past weekend at UND. No. Yeah, they were at UND. I saw someone post a picture. They were well. They were up visiting. I think with Saunders' family. Oh, okay, okay. All right, and then so. This is now the time where things are starting to get real. Practices are becoming game planning, putting schemes in, different things of that sort. What have you been able to see with your own two eyes or kind of hear as far as the development and kind of the next steps of what the team's going through? Not much. I mean, it's been a lot of install still. And you're still going through the, the steps of learning a playbook on both offense and defense. I think this week you'll probably start to see. I mean, there there was there was a little five on five that I got to see. Uh, we stopped by Saturday. Uh, I stopped by Saturday before uh, going and 
hitting up the Simone family tailgate. And, uh, it, you know, there was a little bit of five on five, but for the most part, it is repetition doing this, you know, five on O or five on what they call the scout team with managers and stuff. Um, just going over stuff over and over and over again. And, you know, the goal is not really to like score. The goal is to make sure you remember every action, every side action. Um, so there hasn't been a whole lot to take from it yet. Um, I like the intensity of practice. I like the pace of practice. Uh, as we talked about last week, I really like how Wes runs practice. Uh, I like his demeanor. He, he gets fired up, but you know, he, he keeps a pretty level head, a pretty calm demeanor as he's, he's going through his process. So, um, I, I, I like what I've seen, uh, but I haven't seen enough to really start giving like this guy's playing well, that guy's playing well, because it's just so much, you know, of that first year, yeah. first two weeks of practice. That's really like, you have to go through this part and by the time you get to next year you won't you know because then everybody except for the new guys everybody knows the plays and they can drag the new guys along and there's just not as much there's so much teaching in year one uh early in the process and throughout the process of year one there's so much teaching because they're still learning you know every little detail of how west runs wants to run a program so um when there is more, when there is stuff to take away, I'll definitely give some thoughts on the board. But for right now, there's just not a whole lot of thoughts to give without, uh, you know, in detail, breaking down what their schemes and, and, and packages are going to look like. And that is a very quick way to be told you are not uh, invited back to practice. So <laughs> you are revealing everything we're doing here. You no longer are allowed. Right. I agree. I agree. But Aaron, you were able able to be at one of the most memorable open gyms in Bearcat history. So uh, you were able to see the high talent that was on the court. One player that was mentioned was a returning player and David DeJulius. He's been very open on social media about, you know, being in the right headspace and, and kind of, you know, feeling his game is back and feeling healthy and different things of that sort. What do you think, David DeJulius off of what you saw in that open gym and off of what he's been feeding a little bit more on, on social media and what the Bearcat social media is being able to show. Does it seem like he is primed for this, this season as kind of that go-to scorer and, and kind of a big, big piece to the puzzle this year? Yeah. He got rid of number zero. Right. That was, I mean, that was the most important part of all of this. Now he'll be able to shoot the ball again. <laughs> I mean, uh, in all seriousness, um, he, was very, very good the day that I was there at that open gym. Um, I think that he he's due to have a, a good season at this point. He's clearly putting the work in. Um, so, you know, I, who knows what kind of emotional roller coaster last year was for any of those players between COVID, the former coach, and just whatever else any of them went through with all of that. And, uh, I mean – I'm excited to see what this team looks like under new leadership and just with the different pieces they brought in. 
And what he said, he said his number five since high school number going back to to those days. I I just like everything that's that's coming in with that. And then you know, Chad, you were able to interview some of the players at at the media day and things like that. It just seems like everyone's kind of got just good vibes. You know, I obviously we weren't around the team last year heading into the year like that, but so it just seems like everyone's kind of got that that right mindset heading into the year. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the important things, and that's that's where you get good practices from too. When everybody's on the same page, uh, everybody's pulling in the same direction, everybody's working hard. Uh, you don't have you know two or three guys with their own agenda; they're slowing things down. Um, so I, I think so far, I, I've liked what I've seen. Um, I've walked away from each of the practices impressed with the things that you can be impressed with through this portion of the process. Uh, now, hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe not. There's a, a deal on Sunday back in Bloomington that we, you know, probably won't get any details from because it's super secret. Uh, but I would think with that on the horizon, now you start getting a little bit more into letting guys flow and letting guys, because you want that you need to have a, part of this process that involves live action yeah not just running in against air not just running it against a scout team but running it against guys trying to stop you um so hopefully we'll see that uh as things develop has has there been a worse kept secret than that well no mike woodson said it like no no i that's why i said a worse kept secret the the secret yeah, no it's not completely a secret. Mike out woodson said it out loud Needs to be a secret at that very moment. And uh, that was when he realized that he <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yes, exactly. For, I, but he just does not care. That's so obvious and I love it. And but but now you've got just like the the beat writers that cover IU are just openly saying it. Just like no hold. Well, yeah, because so, Mike Woodson openly said it in a right. press conference. So, so what I'm thinking is Heck, look, I'm not giving up on my running joke about super secret scrimmages just because the IU folks are. I agree. I agree. But I think I mean, it's ignorant that they're quote unquote super secret. Oh, it is. For sure. Like what, you know, if you don't want to allow fans, that's fine. Like there should be fans and it should go to charity. Like we saw a They've lot happening. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there should at minimum be media allowed into this thing. These things right. to talk about it. But the coaches don't want that. So that's why it doesn't happen. Which is fine. It's whatever. It it's is what it lame, is. is what it is. It's lame and dumb. Not fine, Brent. I, but you know what? The way that Mike Woodson's approaching it, who knows? Maybe he'll have an entire broadcast there, and he'll tweet out the the stream last second, and everyone Dan Dockett. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see as things continue to get closer and closer because I think obviously more coverage will come out and reports of what happened on Sunday. As secretly as they will be, they will somehow surface birdies and everyone that is around. But still, um, it's an exciting time around the entire city of Cincinnati, and that includes recruits that were able to come in for the football game. Um, Aaron, I want to touch on you first, football recruits. that were in town. Obviously, Friday is a tough, tough night to have recruits in because clearly high school football is played. On, traditionally on Fridays. So, um, and then Chad, I want to kick it to you, just kind of just the names that were there for the basketball side. 
things of that sort. Because obviously, I don't think anyone's been able to really gather too much of of their thoughts quickly right after like that. But still, there were some people in town. Their thoughts are always the same. But right. okay, go on, carry on. I, you gotta give the people what they want, Chad. Gotta give them what they want. Aaron, take it away. <clears throat> For football, there there really wasn't much happening. I mean, there was maybe a handful of guys. Uh, none of them were like huge priority guys. Um, there was one name, and I'm trying to find it here real quick. I think I put well, it offensive lineman from Alcoa, Tennessee. It was really not much. Yeah, I mean, it's just difficult on a Friday night to find, especially you're getting into, like, the heart of the season. Yeah, People like trying the stretch to... run of high school football seasons. So, sectionals last right three or four yeah. weeks, yeah, you're, you know, guys. Trying guys to make playoffs. Be out on the road, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, Chad Alcoa High School, there's a distinct connection with Isaiah Cox, who's on the team. Cox got a lot of – a lot of talk in the preseason about you know his 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 upward trajectory looks very nice and with his future as a safety with the Bearcats. But yeah, so a couple of his teammates, I think he tweeted out a picture with them and, and the recruits did as well. So good to have that connection um with them. But uh there were some big name basketball recruits in town because they don't they aren't playing quite yet. To and, give you a uh, name, Brent, uh it was yes. Brock Brock Glenn was the uh three star quarterback that was in town from okay. Tennessee. Okay, there we go. He's been here before, so yeah. that is tracking to be a name. I don't think it is anything super serious yet, uh, but it's a name that you definitely want to make sure you keep an eye on going forward. Basketball-wise, 2023, Rayvon Griffith, which is a big deal. He's a borderline. He's just outside being a five-star um, in the composite. He's local, and... It was uh, important for them now with the Big 12 stuff and the momentum going on around the program, a couple high-level recruits committing to get Rayvon back. Um, they had him, like, you know, June 1st, like the first day that, that they were allowed to have guys in. They had Rayvon in. And uh, it was important, I think, to get him back for a second look. I uh, was here with his brother, and things went well. Um, you know, but he's 2023 and you're not going to see a decision from him anytime in the near future. So uh, they did what they needed to do with Rayvon. They, they made a good impression. They left, you know, a good taste in his mouth, got to see what Nippert was like, got some love. And uh, that was, that was good. The two 2024 guys, Tyler McKinley, who uh, is making a name for himself pretty quick as a 2024 prospect. He's a big dude. He's Um, real big. Especially when you consider he's probably, what, 15, 16 years old. Right. right. Um, Very big dude that that is impressive in the 2024 class, another local. And then Damone King, uh, who is from Louisville, goes to Louisville Ballard. Or, uh, yeah, I think Ballard. Or Manual, Louisville Manual. And uh, another kid that they they're tracking heavily that they like in 2024. So the business went well. Nippert is always going to uh, leave a good impression mm-hmm. uh, when kids visit and Nippert is full and you get the entire, you know, Cincinnati football experience 
Um, so it was, it was a good day on the basketball side. They, they got them there before the game, had them down on the field, took them over in front of the student section, uh, got them some love and, and got them a chance to see what playing sports at Cincinnati looks like. So a uh, good deal on that front for those kids. We generally don't talk to sophomores just because it's so far away from decision-making time. Right. Uh, but I'll get with Brent and we'll work on something this week and see if, see if we can get anything out of Raybon uh, officially. But um, the early returns are everything went uh, as well as, as well as planned. The, uh, the whole staff was in to see McKinley work out, right? I think yeah. last week it was. Yeah. So that's, and that's, that's, that's the luxury of, of having local, local kids with that kind of talent is you can, you can load up and, and make a whole staff trip and, and show a kid like we serious. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't, we didn't send an assistant. We didn't send an assistant and the head coach. We sent everybody we are allowed to send. The entire staff. We are all here. Now, I, yeah. I thought that was impressive. It definitely. And then obviously nip at night is going to be something to, to draw some attention, but this upcoming weekend, unideal time, 12 noon. I think we saw uh, Snowden from uh, Michigan's already saying that he, he's going to be in town and Mark Snowden. Are we expecting a, a monster list this weekend? I will have the monster list later this week. You can see, you'll see it on the boards, but yes, we are most certainly expecting a monster list. And I think you'll start to see some names that you can get pretty excited about. There you go. Is so with, with the 12 noon kickoff, does that mean that it has to necessarily be that, you know, 200 mile radius type feel or, or are, t- or are they trying to get some people from even further out to, to, come up into town because obviously with the 12 new kicks, it's unideal, but it's still, still a big game and a big stage. I think it's kind of going to depend on if they're able to get any official visits here that day, or if they're all unofficial, uh, obviously if you're bringing in somebody for an official visit, you're not necessarily getting the time that you'd like um, kind of going. They haven't been big on doing officials in season just because you don't get that, that, time. that time. Yeah. Right. Staff just completely catered to you, and well, and that's where... the kids are playing games on Friday night, so they have to finish a game, shower, yeah. get cleaned up, hop a flight, or hop early that morning to try and get here for a noon kickoff <laughs> without a police escort. That ain't it. And you don't really get the forty-eight hour experience of an official visit. Like it just, especially in season. Like that's why they really like those weeks in the summer that have been opened up for officials. And then those weeks in December, right before signing day, where you can get them here on Friday, have, you know, the dinner at like the, the Red barn. Stadium, like they are the barn. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, you get the full day. Um, and then Sunday, you get breakfast in the morning. Um, I, I got one name I'll throw out for you. That's locked in for this weekend. Ready? Ready. Trevor Carter. Trevor Carter. You familiar with Trevor Carter, Brent? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I can give it a quick look. Tell me more about Trevor okay. Carter. I'll wait until you give it a quick look. I want your reaction before I give it away. Ironton, Ohio. Wow, he's a, he's a pretty highly rated young man. <laughs> <laughs> he's the number four player in the state of Ohio in 2023. 164 in the nation, 
the number 14 linebacker in the country. He's a four-star top 200 kid. He is locked in. And uh, I think Cincinnati is uh, in, I don't want to say great position, but I think they're in good position with Trevor <laughs> Carter. And if you want to make a splash to start out to, to, to really keep the ball rolling in 2023, on top of the two talented kids that they've already got, Trevor Carter would be a good way to do it. So there's there's a little nugget, just a little nugget. Where the, where the hell's Ironton? I looked it up. It's over by kind of West Huntington, Virginia. West Virginia. Oh, Ashland, okay. Ashland, Ironton, Ashland, Huntington. Those are all right in the same area. Oh man, better better hope your alma mater stays away, Chad. <laughs> I, I think they'll be okay but yeah so i obviously it's going to be a monster weekend uh, you know you saw uh mark d'antonio was on the sideline for this for this past weekend's game and i i just approached him just because he used to be next door neighbors of my aunt and uncles and cousins so had to just walk up and name drop a little bit and we, we got to talking a tiny bit and he was just mentioning how you know it, it hasn't quite been like this he's never quite seen it like this and I said, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And he said, yeah, I'm going to have to send a picture to Nancy Gowen, Bob, Bob Gowen's uh, wife. So he was just taking a picture, a video of the crowd and and just going around. So that it's a pretty special time for anyone that's been affiliated with the Bearcats. Um, and wow, the, it's it's only going to get better from here. So uh, if nothing else about recruiting or basketball or football, I think we should hop right into that uh, BBP mailbag. What do we think, boys? Got a lot in there. Let's go. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm, baby. Love it. <laughs> Nothing I love more than the mailbag. <laughs> so did anyone else visit other than the two people we picked up on and the QB Chad mentioned any takeaways? We already covered that. Uh, how many freshmen are redshirting this season and how much does just making the CFP help recruiting? I mean, making making the CFP would be massive for recruiting. Like, Especially leading into Big 12 play? Yeah, beyond massive. Um, Chad, wouldn't you say – I mean, I, I don't know who all is playing on special teams. I would let's say a fair amount of uh, the freshmen would have that the ability to redshirt if they wanted. Yeah, I'm try- – I mean, I don't – I think Threats is playing on special teams. Um there will be a handful of guys that are playing on special teams like you see every year. Right. Uh, but for the most part, like, I mean, I don't see a lot of them. You want to know that my biggest freshman takeaway from Saturday? What's that? I saw in uniform. Yeah. On the field mm-hmm. with the team. Both Issa Jarman and Jalen Monroe. There you go. Both of them had been in school. Both of them had been working through some things. And it's really difficult at practice now uh, because the young guys are all in scout team stuff. Right. So they don't have their uniform and their number on. So it becomes a lot more difficult to identify because they just have some random number that matches the uh, numbers from the opposing team. And it's very difficult to tell who is who at practice. 
But Jalen Monroe, Issa Jarman, on the field, fully suited up pregame on Friday night. So how's that? I think that's 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 a little nugget for you. You know, and and the the fact is. Those D linemen, those freshman D linemen, those are some big, big boys, man. Even even oh, yeah. Jamal Jamal Williams doesn't have the weight yet, but his frame, that's that's a big man right there. And yeah. I, Justin Watley, underclassman. If you go back and you watch one of the plays that Watley's in, where he he comes across the uh, left the right tackle's face, boy oh boy, I feel bad for that Temple right tackle. That was a that was a tough tough guard by him. So future's bright, man. It was future's very. It bright. was a bad day for the Temple offensive line. You can say bad that. Bad day. Times 10. Times 10. Boy, oh boy. It was a bad you. day for the Temple <laughs> offensive line. It was a bad day for the Temple like offensive that. line. What's going on with Tyre Mir? It was a bad Burton's day for the Temple offensive line. Tyre Burton. Aaron, what? T- what's going on with Tyre Burton's recruitment? Um, He's got like 32 teams interested in him. So uh, that's according to 24-7 anyway. Um. So would you say it's blowing up? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a fair assessment. Um, right now, I don't know that there's really any more to report. Obviously, the Bearcats in here are flirting, <clears throat> flirting with one another. But outside of that, um, I don't know if he has, if he's going to be here on Saturday or not. So um, that's about it there. Do you have, do you know the current status of paying off debts from the Nipper and fifth third renovations slash how much left to pay? Are we still paying off debts from building varsity village? I don't know. That's a question. I, I have no clue. That would be a Chad question. And Chad, do we know? Uh, yes, they are. Still paying off debt on all three. How much? I don't know. So, yeah, okay. It's uh, it's something they're going to have to continue to take care of when they uh, when they get the Big Twelve money is getting all those debts paid off, getting back to uh, even, and then moving forward with the indoor practice facility. Not necessarily all in that order, but uh, yeah, still uh, still paying off the debts of what it took to uh to get to this point (laughs) all right knowing what you know today about what we have returning what position group could benefit the most from the transfer portal and correct me if i'm wrong something came out last week where you get what seven extra scholarships if you if you have seven transfers you get the number of transfers that you have out of your program up to seven okay so just something worth noting but um what position group would benefit the most from the transfer portal then? There's a lot. I mean, yeah. anywhere I mean, on defense. Yeah, if you can come corner and we're safety. like an, an elite pass rusher. I mean, yeah, an elite interior lineman. I mean, you're losing yeah. Brown and Brooks. Right. And I don't think Briggs is like, you know, dead set on going back there. Right. So, you know, you're going to have Phillips. Uh, you'll have Dominique Perry, who I've, I, I like his potential. You'll have the Godfather. So you'll have some bodies. You'll but have some bodies everywhere right. because of the depth that they've built. 
but there's going to be so much youth across the board. Like, I know what the answer they're looking for is. What they want you to say, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. Well, I think but, that's listed later in the in the box in, in the bag. But here's the thing with me for that. Like, is there a a good chance that they look to bring in a veteran, like a grad transfer type quarterback? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. But you brought Evan Prater here to play. And he's going to be going into year three. Like, if not now, then when? Yeah, it's time to give him the keys to the car and find out if he can do it. Right. Now, does that mean you don't, like, you obviously bring in somebody to compete with him? um, And as well as, you know, Brady Lichtenberg and then. Uh, I, I've heard things are still going well with Luther Richardson, uh, behind the scenes. So you're going to have a pretty talented quarterback room, but you're going to be lacking a veteran. And I could see a fifth year guy, a, a COVID six year guy that uses his extra year, um, I, I can see somebody being brought in, but Evan Prater is the future. Yeah. And it's time when this season is completed to have the future become the present. I know everybody's nervous about it. Everybody's worried about it. I get that. But do you trust this staff's abil- ability to develop or not? I'd say Desmond Ritter has developed pretty well. Oh, yeah. So we saw Evan take a massive jump yeah. from the spring through the summer into camp. He's got a pretty and deep ball. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I think it's one of those things where people are just getting jumpy because there is, there is going to be a big hole to fill with Desmond Ritter. I would just remind those people that many of them wanted to run Desmond Ritter out of town a year ago about this yeah. time. Well, and so... Des is let the process play out. Yeah. Well, and also it's gotten to the point where just Des is, we've been familiar watching Des for four straight years. So I think seeing someone else taking snaps is going to be weird, which is why it's so important to keep demolishing teams so that Evan can come in and get those more game reps. Because I, who, who's to say if Evan was given a full game, what he would do with it. You know what I mean? As we have, we've only seen him in a practice setting. We've only seen him going up against what is a top five defense in the country. And he's held his own. And he's held his own at times. So, it, so it's, it's, I'm on your side. Yes. Should they bring in someone just that, just a veteran presence that could like be kind of just someone that can talk, talk to him, a, another voice with Gino Gadulli in that quarterback room. Some, if there is something, you know, you need a guy. Right. I mean, which the options are there. So, and, and after the season, I'm pretty sure. A lot of people would jump at the opportunity to be become part of this program as well. So definitely send the murder, but I'm all about giving the keys to Evan Prater. No doubt. All right. So during the offseason, you started drinking and confidently said that you'd eat your shoe if Cincinnati was ranked ahead of Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma at any point this season in the AP poll. Being a man of honor, you're now forced to pay off your debt, Werner Herzog style. 
How would you go about eating your shoe? Shoe style, preparation, cooking method, sauce toppings, etc. I think you'd have to go with boil or braise, right? To have the liquid to try to like you, I don't think you could smoke a shoe because then it would get tough, right? Right. Like the 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 contents would burn. Like, yeah, I, I don't think you could bake a shoe. You definitely don't want to put it in a skillet, <laughs> right? No, I think I think you'd have to definitely boil it, braising I, it, which is basically putting it in a in a paint like in a, a dish, covering with liquid or you know, and then putting it. You could crock pot it probably. Braising and crock potting aren't yeah. too too far off. You definitely wouldn't want to air fry it. You'd want an entirely leather shoe, though, right? Like, that's the only one. You're not going to chew through synthetic. No, I'd say maybe a yeah. croc. I'd take a croc. No, God, no. That would You're never die. Just if, you giant... can, if you can grind it down and mix it with flour and an egg, it turned into pasta. The hell kind of pasta are you? It would never chew. It would never chew. Sure. It's rubber going to go through this body somehow i think you'd have to do leather of some sort yeah okay of fine, some though. sort because it's, it's, it's animal it's animal skin like you know you eat pork rinds don't you it's animal skin good. yeah i don't need pork rinds could you dehydrate it and try to make like a, a little jerky a pork rind out yeah jerky or try to make something out of the like a boot a, like a, a fancy <laughs> Like the uh, rawhide skinned boot. How about this? How about this? We're taking Alligator. this way too serious. Aren't we? How about this? <laughs> if if the Bearcats win the national championship this year, knock on wood, I will eat. You'll a eat shoe. a crock. A crock. I'll eat a shoe. I'll eat a shoe. A crock. Yeah, and I'll do it on TV. I'll eat ground up and mixed with flour and made into a pasta. You forgot the egg, flour and egg. But you know, here's the thing. In my brain, I'm actually already envisioning myself eating the shoe. So here we go, Bearcats. Unreal. What is what everyone's flip flop? Guy Fietti <laughs> always talks about eating a flip flop. I'd probably pick a flip flop. Let's do that. I'm in. Like, like a slide? Yeah. Or like, like a, a like a like an old school moccasin. I'm saying old school moccasin. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. I'm what excited. is what is everyone's favorite revenge movie? Example, Man on Fire. Follow-up question. <coughs> Assuming Aaron is a generic Eastern European bad guy in a John Wick movie, how does he die, and why is it by a book to the mouth? That sounds about right. P.S. Is Brent ever going to come to one of the watch parties? I think Aaron's best way to die is wood chipper. We're still there. We're covered, We're covered that. <laughs> I'm sticking with wood chipper. Uh, I don't watch movies, so don't really have a movie thing. We've also Man on Fire that. is Man on Fire is a pretty fantastic reference for a revenge movie. I like, that, uh, like aren't aren't revenge movies when like the dad is looking for their kidnapped daughter and well, in this one, yeah, like something happened to the little girl. Denzel's out to he's like the caretaker for this family and has to go and kill everyone who wronged this little girl kill everyone i've got i've got a couple for you gladiator 
John Wick's pretty good too. I like Gladiator. V V for Vendetta, literally in, in the title. I like the Kill Bill series. Uh, um, Ooh. Oh, just, yeah, that's okay. That's in my top five list all time is Kill Bill. So that is a revenge movie. I do have a favorite revenge movie, and it there is Kill go. Bill. Uh, the Sandlot. They got to get revenge against the Beast. And, and the Water Boy. Revenge against all their fears. Quit so, making uh, fun of me. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, as far as me coming to watch parties, I live in Indianapolis. Um, but you know what? One of these times, if, if, if the door opens up and Aaron says, Brent, you want to come over for a slumber party and the and a Bearcat watch party? I might accept it. If someone was getting married at a Bearcat watch party, Brent would be there in a New York second. Oh, without question. Without question. <laughs> well, well, then send me an invite. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Request. Can you save stuff like movies to the very, very last thing? I can oh, listen whoops. to people's opinions on movies anywhere. I want to hear you guys talking about UC and the Bearcat sports programs. I have no idea what you might have talked about after you started in on movies last week. Thanks. No. <laughs> i'd well, just say it's it's it would be a huge pain in the ass for me to try and bounce around in the mailbag and get to all the questions we just literally go chronological i hope you're still here bearcat band 72 we love you also Thank you, you can just if you fast forward like you can do 30 seconds at a time hit it a couple times and maybe you can find the, the other content i briefly talked about this on the board last week i appreciate suggestions but do you know what this place would look like if I catered to every suggestion that was asked? Like Probably. everybody's got something they prefer or they don't like, or I don't think know, a lot of disagree people with. Would be hanging on for too. No, like I, I would just be <clears throat> chasing my ass, right? Constantly trying to uh, pigeonhole into what every single member of the board prefers. Maybe in like 2008, that could have worked because we had like 100 people, 200 people. But we're, we're growing towards 2,000 members of the board. I can't cater to everyone's whims. So if you feel you have to stop listening to the podcast, the second that there's a question that does not cover UC, it's unfortunate. I wish that wasn't the case, but I'm sorry. I did it my way. People enjoy this stuff. Like we have some fun with it. Let's we talked Bearcats for an hour and a half. An hour and a half. And we're still talking Bearcats. And at the end, we mix in a little fun. It's okay to have fun. Well, while we're if on you this don't come to us for fun, you're doing it wrong. Bearcat on... band 72. While we're on this, why do you get mad when people ask recruiting questions on topics that haven't been covered before? Also, what is your least favorite media talking point about the Bearcats or other good G5 schools like they need to schedule better teams or get into a better conference? I get annoyed with the recruiting stuff because we put the recruiting stuff that we have out there as fast as we can put it out there. Correct. Like. Aaron can speak to this. Brett can speak to this. Brent has been in this role before. He can speak to it. There's not stuff we're holding back on the recruiting front. Like it, I, it's a recruiting site. One of the, 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 the foundations of why people are here is recruiting. So if there's something important to tell you in recruiting, we got we you. tell you, we tell you. 
because we know that's a big part of why you guys are all here for, for a lot of people. Also, if we didn't tell you and you found out somewhere else, that looks bad on us. Right. Like, I'm not trying to get beaten to the scoop. Like, so that's why the recruiting stuff annoys me because we're working on it. We're doing the best we can. And we also are at a point where in terms of content, a lot of sites don't have the resources and access that we have. So they have to reach. And when you reach, you have to cast a very wide net of, of what you're covering and how you cover it. Because of where we're at, we don't have to cast a wide net. We can cast a very shallow net and give you guys very specific, very detailed information on what's happening. I prefer it that way. And maybe I shouldn't because it's the internet and content is king. So the more content you produce, but from doing it the other way in the past, when you're just producing random content for the sake of producing content, when it doesn't like when it doesn't happen because it was never actually in play to begin with, you were just guessing and people get upset. Well, they missed on this kid. Well, they missed on that kid. Well, it turns out they were never really recruiting that kid or that kid was never really considering UC. The way that we're doing it now is very direct and it's very accurate, right? There was a reason I went to watch Daniel Skillings and Josh Reed specifically when I went to the Under Armour finals in Indianapolis. It didn't happen upon them, right? Right. There's a reason when there's unofficial visitors that come to campus for football. We let you know exactly which ones are important to follow. When there's guys that, that, that camp, we let you know which ones are important to follow because we've developed a pipeline to the, to the information that allows us to provide accurate, detailed information that's not guessing, that's not reaching, that's not just throwing names against the wall and hoping we find the ones that stick. That's not what we do. That might be what Rivals does. That's not what we do here at BearcatJournal.com. I'm firing shots. Bang, bang. Boom. Roasted. Which is, what, which is how it should be, though. I mean. Yeah. You That's what wanna... you guys are here for, right? You want to know what's real, not content just to have content. I, I, which which I makes don't... it even better when the big names do service even more. Because they're already right. familiar at that point. Like, we're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping it sticks. All right. What's your least favorite media talking point about the Bearcats or other good G5 schools? Or are you going to go with our earlier conversation on that? Where we I mean, just I'll made go fun with of everything. mostly our earlier conversation on that. I, I like, I think there are, this is what has annoyed me this year. I think the narrative should about this team should be centered more around. This is a team built like all the rest of the great teams are built. Yeah. This is not a team built with like little five ten, you know, guys that run a four, three. Gadget there guys. are those there are those guys, right? But there are also six two hundred and ninety pound guys that have forty inch verticals. And you know, there there's there's elite talent all over the field. And I think the narrative should be set more about how this team 
doesn't fit past G5 narratives, how this team looks different because it is different. And I don't think there's enough of that. I think there are some that have caught on and that talk about it. Yeah. But I don't think there are enough because there are still such a large faction of, of fan bases ignorant to how this team is built. Right. And that's, it's annoying. Yeah. And, and yet Luke Fickle's name is the first one that pops up on everyone's <laughs> new coach search. Right. He's the number one coach on every coach search for a reason. Right. Because he recruited and developed talent at a level substantially higher than anyone else in the six best conference. And, you know, I, you know, I suggest that you go listen to uh, Gus Malzone's press conference that was taped today um, because Gus is a player, is a coach that has coached against elite level teams. And he said numerous times, he said, this is a, a top three team in the country. This is not just a great team in our conference. This is a great team in the country. They, they have a great offense that knows how to score and they're dynamic. They have a great defense that knows how to stop people that has dynamic players at all three levels. And then they have a great special teams as well. So, I, I mean, you want someone to kind of barometer your, your program, have someone that has played against these big dogs. And he, he said he's played in some big games and played against some big-time teams, and he said this team is right up there with, with all of those big-time teams that he's played in the past. So I, I am Remember, just sick of – yeah. Gus Malzahn has beaten Nick Saban more than anyone has beat Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I, I am sick. I'm just sick of the, the talent thing because the people that bring up the talent thing, they just obviously have not watched the game. They have not dove into uh, like, like a guy on Twitter. And I think it's the same little, little Twitter thread that you guys had that you were referencing earlier saying that like sauce Gardner couldn't, couldn't guard Ohio state's fifth best receiver. It, it's just, it's, it's <laughs> sickening. it is sickening. Like I'm just, I'm done with that whole talk because it's just, it is just not true at this point. It's just not true. Heading to the NIP for the first time on Saturday. Do you have any recommendations on where to park and where all the cool shit will be happening outside of the pregame show at Mio's? Where's the best place to tailgate or pound brews? Well, the grid's the obvious choice as far as the best place to tailgate. Although if it's raining, that may become a little uh, little sloppy, a little muddy. Saw some of that like, on Friday. Like Aaron, like Aaron during a game. A little sloppy, a little muddy. Not this <laughs> year. Holy grail. Sometimes a little butt bloody. Damn it, you got me. But, but still, um, no. Go Bearcat Seven. You can always enjoy a tasty beverage wherever you are. Just, just enjoy. Bearcat. Hit up the guys at Republic of Cincinnati. I've had the hiccups this whole show. It's driving me nuts. It's hard to podcast with the hiccups. You've survived. Hit up the guys at Republic of Cincinnati. Um. You can hit up the Simone family tailgate. You just have to like hit up Dave and, and get an invite. Um, it's a tough invite list. It is. Although he hadn't, I don't, I don't, there. Well, so yeah, I can't believe that guy hasn't come back and posted. What? Like he was at Dave's tailgate. He said he was having a great time. He loved the atmosphere and the environment. Like, but then he was LSU very complimentary. Went and got stomped by Kentucky, so I think he. Probably That's probably why he hasn't been back around. For yeah. being honest, right? 
All right, which game do you predict we see Evan Prater throw five or more passes in? Navy. Although Navy's been a little better than expected, maybe not Navy. Tulsa. I want to see them beat the ever-living shit out of Tulsa. (laughs) As RJ Young throws us out of his top 25 entirely. Says we're fake news. You know, I... I don't even know if there will be a game where he throws five passing attempts. Or I mean, I think if you like, if you get him in, like if you, if you can, if you can really put your foot on the gas against someone in the first half. Yeah. To where he could get in like early, mid third quarter. Where right. it's like 42. You're, you know, you've, you've hung up 42 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I could see like, it being Tulsa homecoming. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Beat right. the absolute hell out of Tulsa. But like, I'm going to, I'll let people know that week that I have a request. Cause I just don't like those people. Safe. They don't, where's, they don't like me. Where's Zaven Collins? Where's Zaven boys? Uh, you know what? I don't know. They probably don't want that smoke though. So it's, it's fine. Look, Zaven Collins had one more tackle against UC than Aaron did last year. Well, Aaron was all over the field, man. He was flying around. When? Boom. Where'd that truck come from? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who makes up your musical Mount Rushmore? Also favorite James Bond and Bond film. I thought about this a little bit. So I don't think I could, like a Mount Rushmore is really tough for me because I'm not a solo guy. Like, I, I mean, like I think if you're one of, acts. If, if you're going to put Outcast, that it would be... I mean, I feel like that's one. Yeah, I do too. That's what I'm saying. So I'll go, I'll go genres a little bit here. Uh, I'll go classic rock, which I'm a big classic rock guy. Uh, Led Zeppelin is number one for me, even though, as it turns out, they stole all their music, but I don't care. They were great. Uh, Modern, like this generation rock and roll. Anybody that knows me knows that Jack White is kind of my choice there. Uh, on Foo Fighters for me. And I like Foo Fighters a lot. I, I just, uh, for me, Jack White, between both the White Stripes and the Tours, and then his solo stuff and some of the other stuff he's done. Um, I think, I, I would say, I think Dave Grohl is probably the best front man of this era. Jack White is probably the best, like, musician like can do everything such a weirdo uh, uh, yeah but his music's phenomenal um and then outcast and then if i had to go like i i think this one is honest like th- this last one for me has changed a lot over the past probably three to five years mm-hmm. if i was to go like 90s grunge because I, I i still love that era of music as well and get used to be pearl jam for me but the older I've gotten, the more I think the very limited offerings from Sublime have kind of taken over mm. like that, like, like, you know, just so many great Sublime songs, even though it was such a short lived, you know, era of success. So Led Zeppelin, Jack White. Outcast, Sublime, 
okay. for me would be kind of where I would go. Very good. Aaron, do you have one? Um, I'd probably go, like I said, the Foo Fighters, if we're doing different genres like that. Um, I'd throw in a Wyclef Jean. Um, mm. He was fairly influential as I was growing up as far as my musical tastes went. Um, I'd also throw in a Mariah Carey for fun. Oh, I like that. Um, wow. And and then maybe maybe Boys to Men. Oh, I like it. There's not many females listening to this. You know that, right? Like you're not. Impressing I'm, I'm gonna anybody. get. I'm gonna get made fun of. I don't give a shit. But tell me, <laughs> like, tell me if "Always Be My Baby" comes on, you're not like. Do-do-do. I mean, oh. it's, it's happening. I was. I liked Boys to Men. I was more Jodeci than I was well, Boys to Men. You are. A li- you're a little older than me. A little. I mean, that's right around the same time. It was right around the same age when those things were happening. Mm-hmm. Jodeci and Boys to Men weren't that far apart. I was in middle school when we were doing slow da- like beach ball dances. You know, your school at, at just the- wasn't hip to to Jodeci. Jodeci was not being played at a middle school dance. I can promise you that. Oh, what you mean, like Casey I and was JoJo? Yeah, but it was like the sexual version of Casey and JoJo before they became the pop version, better known as Casey and JoJo. Oh wait, right. Casey and JoJo and Jodeci are the same people. I mean, some of them, yes. Oh, very cool. Did not know that. But uh, yeah, the Joe and C of Jodeci is KC and JoJo. Oh, wow! Right, interesting. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then favorite James Bond and James Bond. KC and JoJo were both in Jodeci. I understand that. I was four members. Correct. That's what I'm Four saying. It wasn't a Jodeci. Yeah. But they didn't all make the conversion to Casey and Jojo. Right. Devontae Swing, this, uh... Mr. Mr. Dalvin, Casey, and Jojo. Okay. That was that was Jodeci. I'm not uh... Forever My Lady, the show, the after party. Like and that was like after uh, the show is the that R. was Kelly. like uh, that was so early. Canceled. That was early. Diddy, right? Was 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 Jodeci? Okay, I'm uh, so. I'm not even gonna. I've decided phobia, so that that would probably take me an entire night to come up with my. All I right, mean, fa- my music tastes all over the place. Favorite Bond everything. and Bond film, though. I, I don't watch movies. I, I don't know why we have to keep doing Aaron, movie thing. Take it away. I think they do it to annoy me. Because they like when I'm annoyed. Uh, probably. Um, I think I'm still Pierce Brosnan and uh, Goldeneye, personally. Pierce Brosnan, because I mean, he was in the games. The games have a very big part in that decision process, yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I have to go Goldeneye. Royale was nice. I don't think I've ever seen Goldeneye, but I think I have to go Goldeneye just because the game was top oh. five video games of all time. Yeah. All right, great game at NIP this week. I think Temple is not a bad team in the AAC and will surprise some people how well they finish this season. Do you disagree? I, it's it's Temple. No one's going to be surprised, I don't think. I think they're going to be surprised if they're actually improving. But, I mean. They have a quarterback that's going to give a lot of people problems in the league. He's young. And they have a, 
they have a veteran offensive line that is not nearly as bad as they looked on Friday night. Um, I think it'll come down to do they have a quarterback that that can win them games because I think they're going to be in a lot of close games in this league. So uh, that part will be interesting. Um, but I, it's hard to get out of your mind how talent deficient they were compared to UC. It, it's just hard to get out of my mind. Like it's hard to not, it's hard to unsee it, right? I think you could be potentially more surprised by them next year after this freshman quarterback has a year of experience under his belt. Yeah, that's fair. And the receivers are good that they have too, and a good young running back. So, all right. Um, the next couple of questions and comments are about this, but especially after experiencing the classy treatment we received from the hospitality staff and even students up at Notre Dame last Saturday, hearing our students chanting "FU Temple" at a nationally televised game frankly embarrassed me as an alumni and supporter. Same thing for the F Miami we heard earlier in the year. Yeah, we all heard a similar chant by the students in Bloomington directed at UC, but we should be better than that. We need to learn to be better hosts at games. Can anything be done to discourage this sort of thing? Kids are going to be kids. Ban alcohol at tailgates, I guess. <laughs> no. You get a bunch of drunk 20-year-olds, they're going to start screaming, fuck somebody. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do I love it? No. Um, do I think it's going to go away? Like, I think eventually over time, it'll just be something that kind of fades. Like, you know, it, it started with the, the this, like, that's the thing. I was thinking about this the other day about like the, the music and the, the, the trends that I've seen over the 15, 16 years on the beat. And it all evolves. I mean, there's one year that like, I'm on a boat was like the, the fourth quarter song. And you know, there's another with like Mo Bamba was like the fad. Like, oh yeah. Until you Mo really Bamba. land on like that one thing that that becomes your thing, it's going to evolve. The chants are going to evolve. People are going to get tired of chanting, "Fuck whoever," you know. Like, it, 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 you got to let them get it out of their system. I think. And then when you have the freshmen that are seniors and they're like, "Man, we've been doing this for four years. Like, this isn't clever." You know, let, let, let's change it up and do something else. Then that's that's when you see change. I guess it could be worse. You could have no students showing up and doing this at all. So take. The yeah. And again, that, I, 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 I think it is a, a callback to the fact that like last year didn't happen. Yeah. Like they didn't been... they didn't they didn't get to be unruly teenagers and early 20s last year during the season. So. You know. At least we're not seeing fights breaking out in the stands either. So that's right. That's good. Uh, what game left in the schedule will be the one that gives UC the most trouble slash if any early still, but who is the favorite to meet UC in conference championship Houston? Thanks. Yeah. I still think SMU is clearly the second best team in the conference. They've got a quarterback in, in Mordecai. Yeah. Uh, their defense is not great. So that's still a bit of a problem. And they play I, at I, Houston, so that's the only that's going to be the most interesting game in the, the conference winner this of year. That I think goes to the conference football, yeah, more so than Greensville. Yeah, on this Black team's Friday. not letting 
this team's not letting a repeat of what happened <laughs> in the last time, the last trip to Greenville. Hol- Hol- Holton Aylers goes for 450 yards against this defense. <laughs> yeah, Holton Aylers is not having an out-of-body experience on Black Friday. <laughs> Book it. All right. Um, is there any chance that Coach Fickle and his staff go after a transfer portal quarterback? Very little experience returning in 22 with Prater and one freshman quarterback. I know we touched we on this. Yeah. Um, UCF has an incredible amount of injuries. We'll is related to a new coach style play. What offensively worries you about UCF? Do you think they turn around the season? We did talk quite a bit about that. Uh, if you could insert one former player on this current football team, who and why? I mean, it's got to be a kicker, right? Where else is the weakness? Like <laughs> somebody mentioned James Hudson, like Where getting an NFL, an NFL left tackle. You fit him at left tackle. <laughs> like Or Jason Kelsey. And then if you have that, then you have the ability to move Tunstall to right. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ability to move Dylan O'Quinn back into guard. Like Hudson would give you so much more versatility. Uh, Ruffin at kicker would be great. Jake Rogers at kicker would be, would be very good. Um, other than that, <laughs> the rake, are you going to take the rake? Gonna- the rake has gotten better. So I don't think you need to bring back. Jimmy or Huber. Huber, I might like look, man. Huber won a couple games as a punter. Like legit, like that Rutgers game at, at Nip. Kevin Huber won that game, pinning Rutgers at the one like three times. Mm-hmm. Two were at the one, and one was at like the three. Like that's especially with with this offense not stalling out a ton like over the course of four quarters if you got a punter that can that can that can do that even though the rake has been good um you don't need a corner right no you don't need a defensive don't, back you don't need a linebacker uh what maybe Connor Barwin opposite Maje Sanders, but Malik Van has been really, really good. He has been. Jabari De- Taylor's been really, really good. Derek Wolf would be a nice just but, beast to but throw Brooks in there, and but Brown. Brooks and Brown really have good, been yeah. great. Right. Um, I mean Isaiah Pede, but Ford has been like right. Ford has been really, really good. I mean, you could so, throw in Marty in there. <laughs> Just another weapon. Yeah, I'll take Why Marty not? on this team. I'll take Marty <laughs> on this team. Okay, I'll go. To, you win. Marty Gilliard. Marty. We'll put Marty on this team. And Marty see where and it Trey goes. back there returning kicks. He, well, yeah. he'd have to be the punt returner, right? Yeah, yeah. And he'd still be that, like, have just disgusting. another slot. Just yeah. Stupid. Does he still okay, have Mar- shell? Okay. Does he still have the shells in his braids? Yes. I, the Puka sure. shells. Do what you want, Marty. Do what you want. We'll go, Marty. We, we've right. we've come up. Jake Sopko. Okay. Jake Sopko on this team. I go. jokingly at at the in the when things got out of hand, I was switching sides, and I ran past Sopko, who was getting ready to start tossing with Evan. 
And I was like, get him warmed up, coach. And Jake's like, him, I'm getting a helmet. I'm going in. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> let's get let's get Stoppy Boy back in the game. Could he Fight. technically take a snap or is he done? He's done. Okay. I, I think like he could probably go through a process. Right. Kind of like to that, come back. That South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Five games in, which position group do you feel needs to improve to give us the best chance to win out? Place kicker? Kicker. Offensive like line continues to get better. Where have been but, problems on the offensive line? Like, where I, I, everybody wants to talk offensive yeah. line. We've gone Indiana, For, Notre Dame, Temple. No, I agree. I agree. I'm, I, just, I'm saying. just saying. I'm talking to, like, the fans that are, like, right. that, that are still caught up because it was the preseason storyline that the offensive line needs to like some, and it might, it, here's the thing. They might still be right. Just because where else yeah. needs drastic improvement? Like where else does this team have to get significantly better? And the rushing attack wasn't like on fire against, you know, IU and Notre Dame, which is not expected, but still, right. I mean, Bode to just and I think they're just getting better with every game, which is what offensive lines do. So yeah. All right. Going back to Iowa. Does Iowa beat Temple 52 to 3? Just trying to get anyone's thoughts on if Iowa is that good. Oh, we've we've already talked enough Iowa. No. <laughs> All right. Um seems like to my eye, it seems like offensive line is the weakest position on the team. Do you think they can improve enough this year to hang with teams in the college football playoff? Yes. Easy answer. The number one team in the country is Georgia. We, we hung with the them last year. At Georgia, Georgia potentially without pickings is worse than last year. So, yes, this team can compete with anyone. And if people tell you otherwise, tell them to go fuck themselves. Boom. Because they don't know what they're talking about. They're uninformed. Period. Period. Look at the teams that have given Alabama trouble, that have given Clemson trouble, that have given... Oklahoma trouble. The only one that hasn't gotten any trouble is Georgia. And Cincinnati just gave them trouble in the year of our Lord. At home. 2021. In in Atlanta. In well, Atlanta. Well, and Clemson gave them trouble too. And we're seeing Clemson is not that much of a dominating force. Which, right. which, by the way, Clemson has also started the campaign of we are more focused on how you finish the year than how you start the year. Yeah, that's what every team that loses at the yeah, beginning of the year says. But Clemson plays in the ACC, so you're done. You're dead. Shut up. <laughs> All right, with the additional spots being approved for transfers, do you think they'll make it to 25 high schoolers plus transfers? Uh, I think they'll get clo- pretty close to 25 high schoolers with the with this uh, exception. Don't right. think they'll go over 25. You do not want more than 25 new high school prospects coming into your program. All right, moving to basketball. 
How did it go for the three basketball visitors? I think we talked about that earlier. Um, at this point, what is your best guess at a starting five? Aaron, Aaron, let's let's hear your guess. What, My guess? what are you thinking? Yes. What's your um, pick for the starting five? I'd imagine probably Odie at five. Um, I guess you go. No. Dav- what? Abdullah Doe. Abdul. I'm sorry. Abdul- no, that's I, yeah. I was picturing Abdullah Doe in my head. Um, two new guys came in around the same time. Um, Davenport at the four. Newman at the three. DeJulius at the two. Mikey Saunders at the one. That's my pick. I'd agree with that. Interestingly enough, the one thing that was, I, I forgot about this during the basketball talk. God forbid that guy that we talked three minutes of other stuff isn't still listening. Um, <laughs> Bearcat band 72. Glad to yeah. still have you here. A lot of uh, when we did actually do a short bit of uh, five on five. Davenport was at the four. Jared Hensley was at the three. Oh, so I thought that was interesting because I had kind of penciled Hensley in as more of a four. Uh, I think he, that he's a guy they definitely believe is like a combo forward that they can play at both. Right. Uh, But one of the first things I noticed is he was in there with some fours and fives. So I'm like, well, then he's the three. Yeah. Like if he's in there with Odie and Koval, or if he's in there with, with Davenport and Abdul, like he's the three. Yeah. So he's been spending a little bit more time at the three than I expected, which if that's true and he can do it, then all of a sudden you got a six foot eight, 210 pound small forward that can move right. and guard. And okay. Okay. If I'd, imagine, top of you. I'd imagine too, they're going to see how many different rotations they can run out there and who gels and all of that. Well, yeah, so. they're trying to figure out like, and this was a one, like the, the next day of practice, he might've played exclusively at the four where sure. on the day before he played at the three, but I just thought it was interesting that, yeah, that, sure. that he was, he was running more three than he was four. And you know what I like about the – I like that big man rotation because you have Abdullah Doe more of a post presence, and then you can bring in Koval for him as that outside, you know, yeah. sh- shooting threat. And then when you take out Davenport, if you are going to do like a, a you know two-for-two two type thing, then you bring in Odie, who's kind of that post presence. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of interchangeable. I like how those, those two flip. All right. Uh, if when football gets its own facility, has there been discussion on men's basketball possibly taking over the current football office space in the Lindner Center? Read that one more time. You were, you broke up just for a quick second. If when football gets its own facility, has there been discussion on men's basketball possibly taking over the current football office space in the Lindner Center? I don't know why they would need to. They have the exact same office space, just one floor down. Like football takes up maybe a little bit just because there's more coaches. Yeah. But basketball doesn't need like two giant meeting rooms. There's there's only one group of people that needs to meet. So I think you would be much better off distributing that a little bit differently. Uh, Now, 
you know, maybe they move basketball to the seventh floor because basketball becomes the priority in the lender center. And then they give away the sixth floor to baseball or whatever else. But I, basketball has got pretty much what they need, I think, in terms of offices and meeting rooms and, and all of that jazz on the sixth floor. So I don't know why they would need to uh, specifically take over what football left behind on the seventh floor. And I don't think you can put practice facility in there. So it's not wide enough. All right. <laughs> What's Imagine if they could and you're, you're working on the sixth floor and there's just constant basketballs boom, dribbling boom, on boom. your head <laughs> all day. <laughs> What's going on with Wesley Tubbs recruitment? Good question. Good question. Uh, I, from what I know, like he wants, wants to come on an official visit this weekend. So uh, we'll see where things go from there. Uh, I think if you're a junior and you're asking people to allow you to come on an official visit, uh, they better be in your top two and not number two, if that makes any sense. Are you like you have music in the background? What are you dancing to? To me? Yeah. You got to pee again? I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You can go to the bathroom. Aaron and I will handle it for a minute. There's like only three questions left. I knew the end was near. What fact do you wish you never knew? For me, it's how far a human butt can be spread and how many raccoons will fit. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm just. I'm just reading the question. Sometimes uh, you have to use your better judgment to not read a question. I got yelled at the last time I didn't read a question <laughs> by the, the questioner. For, Christ. For all three, who will end up being the better hire for the trajectory of its respective sport between Luke this is Fickle hard. and did they mean Bob Huggins or they mean Wes Miller? No, they mean Bob Huggins. Like okay. when Bob, so from when Bob Huggins okay. got hired, taking them to the final four reinvigorating the Cincinnati basketball program, giving the university 16 years, leading them into the Big East, even though he didn't get to see it come to fruition. Spending a ton of time, ranked number one in the country. It, it, for right now, for in this specific moment in time, I think it still has to be Huggins, but Luke is not far from from passing that i don't think yeah i was kind of in the same spot only because the question is for the trajectory of its respective sport and not for the university will i agree with you but if we were talking about for the university as opposed to respective sport i think luke fickle because football drives money I still disagree, though, because basketball is what got UC into the Big East. It's what got the Lender Center built. It's what started Varsity Village. Like, it is what put UC on the path to where they are now. Without Bob Huggins, that that doesn't – like, the foundation isn't laid for the future. So – Got the Jordan brand, got national exposure. There was so – you had number one pick in the draft, like – so many things happened in those 16 years of the Bob Huggins era. And he and stayed and he built. Yeah. And he just. And trust me, I'm not a Bob Huggins guy because I like that, that guy doesn't get too, like he, he does, but he does. 
He doesn't give two. He gives two shits about his legacy at UC. Doesn't give two shits about like where UC is going. And that sours me a bit on him. And I've heard him say those things like in person, sitting at, at basketball events. He didn't know who I was or that I was listening, but I heard it. And so that part makes it tough. But this university doesn't take the leap into the national conscience that it needed if it's not for Bob Huggins and that kind of Bob Huggins, Bob Goen, like that started this whole thing. Luke is taking it to the next step. And I think he's not far. I think he's past Brian Kelly. I think he's not far from passing Bob Huggins, but I don't think we're there yet as it stands. Yeah, that's the bag. That is the bag. Brent, you got to go pee, man. Like, like you look uncomfortable. Well, I mean, I'm just getting ready to close this out, and then I'll I'll head straight to the potty. Okay. Grown-ass man still calling it a potty. (laughs) I'm I'm a kid underneath this potty, I'll tell you what. We know. Um, Well aware. Anything else before we shut this one down, guys? Nope. I'm good. Do the thing. It's going to be an awesome weekend upcoming. Don't forget, it's a noon kickoff, so that means Mio's at 10 a.m., that means get there early, be loud. And, and I saw they're saying wear red. Wear red. That's a changeup. They threw a curveball. Wear red. Because, uh, but, but it's weird because against Tulsa, it also says wear red. So maybe they're going to. Wait, Tulsa that. was the original ring of red game, but they're also okay. saying wear red for this one. Okay. So, so who knows? Maybe some, some, some wrinkles, some ripples. We'll see. But anyway, big, big week ahead. Top three, number three in the country. Wow. Just crazy to keep on saying. But a huge week ahead, UCF, this Saturday, 12 noon, 10 o'clock at Mio's. We'll see you all there for my broadcast buddies, my good pals, my friends, my partners in crime, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. I am Brent Young. Yet again, this was the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. Hey.